Hi, it's Reese here, author of the Strong Minds Personal Development Programs and this course, Personal Leadership, Taking Control of Your Mind and Your Life Every Day. We're on Module 4, Key Elements of Brain Science for Mind Control. Part 1, Understanding the Difference Between Our Brain and Our Mind. Just by way of qualification before we get into the core content in this particular module, I want you to know that for some, this will be one of the longest sections and is probably the hardest part of the course because we take a deep dive into the brain and its four key components that impact on how you think and how you feel. Together, the mind and the brain impact on your mental and physical health. It's therefore vital information that when understood can turn new light bulbs on in your head and more brightly. So make sure you stick with this section. Make notes, revisit parts to fully digest and understand it. Part 2. The brain and the mind. It's important at this stage to understand the difference between the brain and the mind as well as the impact they both have on our physical well-being. Dr. William B. Salt, who's Clinical Associate Professor of Medicine at Ohio State University and also Chairman of the Continuing Medical Education Committee and Educational Director in Gastroenterology at Mount Carmel Health, explains this very well. Quote, Your brain is part of the visible, tangible world of the body. Your mind however, is part of the invisible, transcendent world of thought, feeling, attitude, belief and imagination. The brain is the physical organ most associated with the mind and consciousness, but the mind is not confined to the brain. The intelligence in your mind permeates every cell of your body, not just brain cells. Your mind has tremendous power, therefore, over all bodily systems, including the heart. It's this kind of explanation that helps us understand why we often hear sayings like the decision was made with the head or the heart and that the brain thinks whilst the heart feels. The reality is that the heart actually sends more signals to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. But it is the mind that interprets the messages in both cases. The mind and its thoughts can also stir emotions that impact on other parts of the body which is why you also hear expressions like just the thought of something turn their stomach or this person is just a pain in the neck. It's not the brain that causes these mental and physical reactions, but the mind. Your brain does all the processing, but it's the mind that has the ultimate power to manage and make changes to the brain, which subsequently impacts either positively or negatively on our body functions. Understanding how the key elements of the brain works is therefore a vital step in taking control of our minds. To quote George Bernard Shaw, progress is impossible without change, and those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. Part 3. What neuroscience is telling us about our brain power. In recent years, much has been learned about the brain and the power of our minds, including how neurons work to effectively wire our brains, the amygdala, which acts as our emotional control centre, the prefrontal cortex used for conscious thinking or reasoning, and much, much more. I'll be honest, the field of neuroscience is a complex one, and we're not brain surgeons 
fixing life-limiting brain issues, just normal human beings trying to understand why we are the way we are and how we can make some changes for a better today and a better tomorrow, right? This section is therefore not designed to be academic, but simple enough to cover the core workings of the brain and the mind and how by becoming aware of this, you can use the knowledge to be more effective and efficient in how you use it rather than your mind using you. Armed with this information, the doors of your mind will be open so you can mentally climb in and make the changes you want. Remove the bugs, i.e. limiting thinking, maybe invalid beliefs that slow you down or hold you back and add to or build on your strengths to accelerate your success and lift you to new heights. So, to make your mind stronger, you will learn how to manage and reprogram your brain with the kind of information that makes a positive difference to who you are and who you will become. Hi, Reese here, author of the Strong Minds Personal Development Programs and this course, Personal Leadership, Taking Control of Your Mind in Your Life Every Day. We're still on Module 4, Key Elements of Brain Science for Mind Control. Part 4, the technical backdrop, our mind power in perspective. Let's consider then the power of the human mind just for a few minutes. Digital advances are being made at lightning speed, with voice recognition, VR, and artificial intelligence, AI, applications changing the way technology and humans interact with each other. We just have to ask Google, Siri or Alexa to pull up the information we want when we want it. No typing, no fuss. Well, okay, sometimes there's a little confusion. <laughs> but generally speaking, all this without much effort on our part. Added to this, we have robots performing previously held human jobs and humans walking around like robots on autopilot on their gadgets, smartphones, etc. So completely occupied that they don't have to think for themselves, but just follow the crowd and follow their thoughts. I think Henry Ford uh, was once quoted as saying, thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably the reason why so few engage in it. And from experience, I've found this to be true. Some people just don't like doing it. But if you go about it in the right way, however, it can be fun, exciting, and most of all, rewarding. When you combine brain science knowledge with mind hacking know-how, it creates a powerful union, one that shows you the right way to think, the enjoyable, life-enhancing way. When you think about it, all these high-tech advances and miraculous tools we have available at our fingertips have been created by human beings, or more precisely, the human mind. The human mind is a programmer creating all other computers and high-tech gadgets. How cool is that? I say that because if you actually stop and think just for a moment, yeah, I, I genuinely mean stop and think right now. The human mind is creating all these gadgets and tools with that small organ in our heads called the brain, which weighs in at just three pounds on average, or 2% of our total body weight. Our brains and our minds hold so much power and potential, yet how many people use anywhere near its full potential, which in turn would enable them to reach more of their full potential in life? If you search how much of our brain power do we use by Google or whatever, you'll find listing after listing 
referring to the myth that we only use about 10% of our brain power. I don't think many of us are that daft, although I, I must be honest, I know some people who are. Um, but neuroscience research tells us that in fact we use most of our brain most of the time, but here's the crux. We're not using it in the most effective ways. It's all about how we use our minds to utilize our brain power. With this in mind, no pun intended, imagine what your brain power could do for you as an individual. If you're armed with the know-how to hack into the immense capability that your brain and your mind offers to draw out more of the true potential that you possess. Hi, Reese here, author of Strong Minds Personal Development Programs and this course, Personal Leadership Taking Control of Your Mind and Your Life Every Day. Module 4, Key Elements of Brain Science for Mind Control. Part 5, In Two Minds. At this point in the course, you'll find a large illustration uh, with an iceberg in it, with the small portion of the iceberg above the, the surface of the water, illustrating the conscious mind, and a large portion of the iceberg below the water, signifying the unconscious mind. So let's explore the mind, or rather two minds, and our brain together. In particular, the downside, if we don't take control of our mind, and our thinking. How often have you said to yourself or heard others say, I'm in two minds, because you or they are uncertain about what to do, especially when it involved a choice between two courses of action. Your two minds are effectively in conflict with each other, and it's often a battle between logic, i.e. conscious mind, and emotion, your unconscious mind, isn't it? When this happens, you'll find your unconscious mind automatically judges whilst the conscious considers. The unconscious reacts whilst the conscious responds. This is because the unconscious mind inhabits a world of unexamined facts, because that's what's been programmed in from everything and everyone we've been exposed to and influenced by in our lives up to this point in time, and of course, our own experiences too. This is why we have conflicting values or beliefs and end up confused about what to do at times, because it's a fight between our conscious and unconscious minds, between logic and emotion. We can end up acting in ways that conflict with how we truly want to be, which is quite confusing and can create more problems in our lives. Our brain is a powerful problem-solving machine that was meant to provide practical solutions to practical problems. But what gets in the way of this, however, is that we can get emotional and our egos take a hold on us in totally illogical ways, especially our fears, doubts or worries. They can take a stranglehold on us at times so that we can't even breathe properly. We risk becoming hypnotised by the negatives so much that we don't see the positives, the possibilities. The creative sides of our mind can get clouded and remain unseen and unused. Quote, The brain and his pre-programmed thinking has become the master, and it loves to be in control. It makes a lousy master, however, but a brilliant servant, once you know how to manage it properly and take back control. Let's illustrate this uh, point with a simple question. 
Did you get emotional recently? Maybe angry, aggressive, defensive, anxious, resentful, fearful, whatever. Think back for a minute about how you felt. And ask yourself, where did these emotions come from? Did they help you or hinder you? Did they drive you forward or did they pull you back? What was the end result of allowing these emotions to take over your mind and control you? The reality is that typically these emotions got you nowhere and only harmed you in fact. Maybe they made you feel lousy or low, possibly even a little shameful or guilty or depressed. How often does this happen? And the other person, because it's nearly always another human being that stimulated these emotions in you, isn't it? Isn't remotely aware of the impact they've had on you and how you now feel. It's even likely at times that you allowed your emotions to run right and cause havoc in your life long after the event had passed, whether it be a conversation, disagreement or argument with someone else. In which case, if you continue to carry negative emotions when the other person has already moved on, then, then who do these emotions harm? Obviously yourself. This is not something a clever computer, i.e. your brain, or someone with a strong mind would consider as an intelligent thing to do, wouldn't you say? And certainly not something to continue doing. The obvious question then, is why do we allow our thoughts and our emotions, i.e. our internal software, to harm us in this way? And how can we alter this to stop the pain and harmful impacts in future and make sure that we use them for positive gain? We must come to recognise that we have to learn ways whereby we can hack into our own mind and take back control of the thinking and our deep-rooted emotions in particular if we're to live the life we want and love the life we have. We must therefore become more consciously aware of the ways in which we think in order to improve the ways in which we feel and consequently act. And this is where we can begin to manage our brain much better. You have a higher level of intelligence that's far more powerful than the brain on its own because you have the ability to use your mind to look in from the outside and notice how you're thinking and feeling. Uh, the term in neuroscience is called meta-thinking, or more simply defined as thinking about thinking, or knowing about knowing. Becoming aware of one's awareness is a higher order thinking skills. Um, if it's not used in some cases, people just won't be thinking about thinking, they'll be worrying about worrying. The term comes from uh, the root word meta, meaning beyond. And those of you that are parents would do well to watch the following 15-minute video around educational thinking for young students because it's both topical and insightful. It's a TEDx talk by Dr. Derek Cabrera, Cabrera uh, on how thinking works. By thinking about what we're thinking about, i.e. meta-thinking, and by becoming fully conscious, awake, aware, alert and rational, we're no longer ramped up in or wrestling with these thoughts and emotions, but instead we can observe them, manage and control them in a much more constructive and productive way, and importantly, change them instantly or certainly going forward. Becoming more conscious is important because there are so many things embedded deep within the unconscious mind that we're often unaware of, like subliminal messages and influences that the unconscious has collected and stored for us unwittingly. And then, of course, there are also our inherited genes, 
which help form our nature. And how often have we heard our parents say, oh, that's just in their nature, or as parents we've said the same thing about our children. Combine what we've inherited genetically with the repetition and persistence of messages, e.g. from parents, teachers, bosses, who may state you can do this or you can't do this, and which repeated enough times we will have formed certain beliefs about and the beliefs about ourselves and others, unless we consciously disregard them or prove them wrong. The issue here is threefold. Number one, as mentioned previously, this conditioning is often well-intentioned because adults think they know better. And when you're young, you're more easily influenced by those in authority. Number two, the unconscious mind doesn't think. It just stores everything from the past. It remains in a state of sleep until information stored is required and brought to the surface of your conscious mind at lightning speed and sometimes with quite intense emotions and feelings. And issue three, um, I haven't met the big fella in the sky so can't be sure what he intended when he created us, if you believe in God that is of course. But I have a strong inkling that our more intelligent and logical conscious mind was meant to be our command centre. This being the case, how come it's so often overwhelmed and our moods are controlled by less than useful information, such as fears, doubts, confusion, anxiety, anger, aggression, greed, limiting beliefs or whatever, that are held deep within the unconscious? There are solutions to these three issues, however. To quote Eckhart Tolle, the author of Power of Now, each of these issues can be dissolved when we shine the light of conscious thought on them. And that's a topic we'll address in the reprogramming module later in the course, how to educate your conscious mind. In part six of this module, we'll explore and understand the other three key elements of the brain that impact significantly on our conscious thinking and our unconscious emotions. See you there. Hi, Reese here, author of the Strong Minds Personal Development Programs and this course, Personal Leadership, Taking Control of Your Mind and Your Life Every Day. Module 4, Key Elements of Brain Science for Mind Control. Part 6, The Amygdala and Emotional Hijacks. The amygdala are part of the limbic system within the brain, which is responsible for emotions, survival instincts and memory. They act as the bridge between the two minds, and I say they because most people think there's just one amygdala, but there are in fact two, located either side of the brain, just behind each ear and at the intersection of each eye. Bear in mind that we receive most information through sight and sound. The amygdala play a critical role in controlling how we respond or react to situations, and consequently how we feel on a daily basis. They're effectively like our sixth sense, which keep us aware of all kinds of dangers. According to neuroscience, the amygdala is the brain's emotional processor, commonly associated with fear. They're like the private security guards of our mind in many ways, because they raise the alarms to protect us. For real danger, like being chased by a wild beast, this is good, but for mental danger, it may not be so. I say this because the fear I'm referring to is anything that conflicts or contradicts with our conditioned way of thinking. 
and which our brain will perceive as danger. This danger and the associated fear can often cause unproductive reactions though. Things that stop us from learning something new and cause an emotional hijack, or as neuroscientists would say, an amygdala hijack that kicks any sense of rational thought or reasoning into touch. The trauma doesn't stop there though, uh, it doesn't stop in the mind because the central nucleus of the amygdala has direct correlations to the hypothalamus and the brainstem, which control the flow of messages between the brain and the rest of the body. Collectively, they control body functions such as breathing, swallowing, heart rate, blood pressure, consciousness, and whether or not we're awake or asleep. In effect, these two small parts of the brain, the amygdala, are in charge of all functions your body needs to stay alive, like breathing air, digesting food, and circulating blood. The brain stem itself connects the rest of the brain to the spinal cord, which runs down your neck and back. And if you think about the, the link with the amygdala, maybe this is where the saying their spineless came to be recognized, i.e. the amygdala raises risk and highlights fear. Just knowing this alone can help open the doors of your mind so you can escort the negatives out and invite new, more productive thoughts in. For such small parts of the brain, they have immense power to help or hinder your mental and physical well-being. Try as you might, you can't bypass or stop the amygdala from working the way they do. But by being aware of how they work, you've gained a massively helpful mind hack that few others will ever understand or be able to use. By becoming more conscious of potential fears raised by the amygdala, fears which are often perceived and not real danger, you can live in a world of acute awareness that puts you in control of the emotions being sent up through your unconscious and filtered through the amygdala. I'll share uh, some resources and techniques for dealing with negative thoughts and emotions, um, warnings from, from the amygdala if you like, and how to move from such a situation to a more constructive and productive state of mind in a later module called From 2. In the meantime, just by knowing and understanding how the amygdala work, you will significantly reduce the number of times you face the I'm in two mind situation. Your mind will be clearer and your decisions wiser and sharper. For more information on the amygdala from Joseph Ledoux, a neuroscience expert, you can watch videos on this part of the course. They're very short and informative and I've included one here which is his five minute take on the amygdala. See you in the next section. Hi, Reese here, author of Strong Minds Personal Development Programs and this course, Personal Leadership, Taking Control of Your Mind and Your Life Every Day. Module 4, Key Elements of Brain Science for Mind Control. Part 7, Synapses and Neural Connections, the importance in reprogramming or rewiring the brain. You've probably heard the term being used by modern motivational speakers about how the brain is wired and that to make changes we need to rewire it. What they're referring to is the fact that the brain is made up of neural connections or synapses. Uh, synapses is a structure that basically permits a neuron or a nerve cell 
to pass an electrical chemical signal to another neuron. To put this in context, each individual neuron can form thousands of links with other neurons in the brain. Given a typical brain will over 100 trillion synapses and by some estimates up to a thousand trillion total neuron connections. Functionally uh, related neurons connect to each other to form neural networks or otherwise known as wide brains. This is at least 1,000 times the number of stars in our galaxy so it's no wonder our minds are literally all over the place at times. When I think about what I've just, just told you, uh, it sounds like it's extremely complex, doesn't it? But let me assure you, you don't need to be a neuroscientist or a brain surgeon to use your mind for what it was intended, to solve practical problems or challenges in practical ways. And mind training within this course will help you to do that considerably well. What you've learnt already and will add to in the following pages and notes therefore gives you a distinct advantage over other people who may be familiar with but are not really knowledgeable about the subject of wiring the brain to be more effective, more successful, in control and most of all happy. Because you will have the ability to understand how your brain works. You'll be able to manage and control it better but also ethically of course influence others better too. Currently your brain is wired in a certain way because of conditioning, as we've already uh, covered in previous modules. So you'll need to, to rewire parts of your brain if you're to make changes in the way you think and you feel. Hearing about something is not the same as knowing about it, though, is it? So it's useful to gain a deeper understanding of the synapses and neural connections. This part of the section uh, or module is therefore especially important in your development. So let me begin with the neuroscience terms and then I'll summarize them in my own words, simple terms. So what is the function of the synapse and how do they work in the brain? The function of the synapse is to transfer electric or chemical activity, i.e. information, from one cell to another. The transfer can be from nerve to nerve or nerve to muscle. When stimulated, by a chemical or an electrical pulse, neurotransmitters of various types are released and cross the cell membrane into what's called the synaptic gap, which basically acts as a junction uh, between neurons. Uh, it allows one neuron to talk to the next neuron and continue sending the pulse across a network of neurons. These impulses create an emotional reactional response depending on whether the information is perceived as positive or negative and then bind, i.e. wire, to chemical receptors in the dendrites, which is a short branched extension of a nerve cell of the receiving neuron. The messages transmitted through the synapses therefore have the, therefore have the power to impact on your mind and your body and at the same time. For example, someone says something to you that in effect touches a nerve. Not only do you react emotionally, but your body, body follows the lead with a physical reaction such as a headache or tense neck. In this respect, the mind-body connection is one. To give you an example, my wife suffers from migraines. And no, migraines are not just bad headaches. Um, but migraines, uh, she gets migraines um, once tense periods are over. For example, my daughter competes in dressage championships at times. Uh, and when she wins, the pressure is released in my, my wife's mind, so to speak, 
and the messages in my wife's mind have a physical impact by bringing on the migraine. In this respect, the migraine is not brought on by any negative physical or emotional pressure, but a positive mental experience. On the other hand, however, many people suffer from migraines as a result of the negative emotional pressure and messages transmitting from neuron to neuron through the synapses. The notes and picture uh, that are included in this section of the module illustrate the process in simple terms. But if you like more detailed information on the synapses and neurons, I highly recommend um, free resources from the Khan Academy. And you can see examples of their content by clicking on a synapses link within the course. To quote the Khan Academy, how do neurons talk to one another? The action happens at the synapse, the point of communication between two neurons or between a neuron and a target cell, like a muscle or a gland. At the synapse, the firing of an action potential in one neuron, the presynaptic or sending neuron, causes the transmission of a signal to another neuron, the postsynaptic or receiving neuron, which makes the postsynaptic neuron even more or less likely to fire its own action potential, which then continues throughout the neural network. In simple terms, i.e. my terms, synapses are junctions for our internal communications network. The more often you think or feel a certain thing, the more it will open the relevant connection, i.e. synapse, and reinforce it, triggering a chain reaction across the neural network. This is how thinking emotions can suddenly spiral out of control and cause physical reactions too. So negatives or positives can be reinforced. And if you want to stop negative thoughts and feelings, you must consciously program positive ones to create new connections rather than trying to change old ones, hence the term rewiring. In this respect, it's not about changing the information between neurons, because what's been there has been there, but making new, more productive connections and repeating them until they become the habits or chain of thinking that you want. When you consider the number of connections that are repeatedly transmitted through the synaptic gaps over time, you can begin to understand why habits are so difficult to change, but also how habits can be created. Most of these habits of thought or emotional responses are held deep within the unconscious mind, which is why it's so critical to wake up and use our conscious mind to make new, more rewarding neural connections. You can, uh, if you like, compare it to a circuit board, or a telephone exchange, or an old telephone exchange, where you're in control of the connections. So you can disable or unplug those you no longer want or need, and create new connections that work for your good. It's with this in mind, the conscious reasoning and decision-making from the prefrontal or cerebral cortex part of your brain is brought into play, i.e. the conscious. This doesn't mean that all decisions are logical or rational, but simply that you consciously become aware of these two factors in tandem with how you feel, i.e. your current emotional state versus how you want to feel. Hi, Reese here, author of Strong Minds Personal Development Programs and this course, Personal Leadership, Taking Control of Your Mind and Your Life 
every day. Module 4, Key Elements of Brain Science for Mind Control. Part 8, Your Internal GPS, the Reticular Activating System, otherwise known as RAS, and the acronym YFOIS. So now you know why fears come to mind through the amygdala and how to begin rewiring or reprogramming your brain through the synapses and neural connections so that you're able to think in a way you want to more often and less as you don't want to. The RAS or reticular activating system adds more power to this programming through the key senses of sight and sound. It does use all five senses but the two key ones, sight and sound, are, uh, are the main ones. In effect, your RAS is both a, a portal through which nearly all information enters the brain, but it also acts like your own unique internal GPS that guides your attention to what to notice. Although it's already built in uh, to notice things that are important to or of interest to you, you can also program it to notice things you want to but don't have yet. So the RAS filters the masses of information, incoming information, you're subjected to each day and it affects what you pay attention to. It's really what the law of attraction folks uh, are pushing a lot because they say you attract what you focus on whereas the reality is that you just notice what you focus on more. You're effectively activating the brain to see and hear opportunities that satisfy your needs and wants. You're not attracting them, you're just noticing them. In a sense or two key senses actually. You're keeping your eyes and your ears open to situations, circumstances, events, people that help you achieve what you want to achieve. Let me give you two simple examples. Firstly, you're walking through a crowded shopping mall with lots of chatter and noise and things going on and you're out of the crowd, out of nowhere almost, you suddenly hear your name mentioned or called. Or you see a friend in the distance through lots of other people. Or perhaps a different situation, you buy a new car and suddenly you notice lots of the very same car around, even the same colour and same model. Even though before you purchased it, there didn't seem to be that many or any around. Your RAS essentially fixes your attention on what you focus on most. And this focus is based on what's going through your mind, both consciously and unconsciously. So if it's negative stuff, you'll notice more negative stuff. If it's positive stuff, you'll notice more positive stuff. And this is where the acronym YFOIS works and can help you remember to consciously use your RAS better, more effectively. YFOIS stands for what you focus on, you see. Or more accurately, what you focus on, you see more of. In summary, it's a bit like gardening. You can see beautiful things grow based on what you plant in the soil, i.e. think about or picture in your mind. And if you don't plant anything good, all you're likely to see and get is weeds. And this is where creative conscious imagination can come into valuable play uh, for you. And although part nine in this module touches on the subject, we'll cover it in a lot more detail within the reprogramming module later on in the course. Hi, Reese here. 
author of Strong Minds Personal Development Programs and this course, Personal Leadership, Taking Control of Your Mind and Your Life Every Day. Module 4, Key Elements of Brain Science for Mind Control. Part 9, Your Collective Unconscious Storehouse. Your deeper unconscious mind acts as the storehouse of all your collected knowledge. In effect, your very own library or Google search engine, if you like. All this information has to be stored somewhere. And can you imagine what a muddle our heads would be in if we held it all within the conscious part of our mind? It would be a nightmare. The great thing is, however, that any information stored in the unconscious, i.e. the back of our minds, as many people would say, can be accessed via the conscious mind, providing we ask the right questions and give it the right direction to focus on, namely, what do we want and not what we don't want, i.e. the negatives. To illustrate the power of the unconscious mind, how often have you tried to think or remember something consciously and struggled, only for the unconscious to pop it up later when maybe it was least expected, or when you're often uh, relaxed and not heavily thinking in conscious mode? You made the inquiry for your conscious mind, but it was your unconscious mind that delivered, as requested, albeit sometime later. Thomas Edison deliberately used this method, quote, Never go to sleep without asking or without making a request to your unconscious. Another example is when you take a familiar travel route. You're driving for miles without realising your conscious mind was elsewhere, wandering if you like. That is, until you came to your turning or junction, suddenly you woke up mentally. What was it that got you where you wanted to be? It was your unconscious mind based on all the stored knowledge and positive habits of the past. I have friends who commute by train back and forth to London, and they often fall asleep on the way home. Yeah, they're overworked and getting old, but hey, let's give them a break. But they manage to wake up just before their station. Again, their mind is working for them when they're not fully conscious. The issue with allowing your unconscious to run your mind, i.e. life and career, however, is that if you allow it to work in the same way for negative, unproductive and damaging habits, as well as potentially unhelpful or limiting beliefs programmed in from the outside influences of the past, it can work against your best interests. This is why, as Eckhart Tolle says, shining the light of consciousness on such thoughts and feelings as often as possible is so important. Important because it puts you in control in your mind and your life. You're demonstrating personal leadership at its best. By all means, let your unconscious run your mind when putting on your clothes, brushing your teeth, shaving or putting on your makeup, but don't allow it to control your decisions and most important parts of your life. These are yours to hack for yourself. And just remember, unlike your conscious mind, your unconscious mind never sleeps. It's always engaged in figuring out problems and making new key connections. When, that is, you use it in a positive and productive way. This is why many or even most people have their best ideas, solutions, answers when first stirring in the morning, having a shower, enjoying, chilling out time or other relaxing pursuits. It's almost like this um, twilight zone between the unconscious and conscious coming together. So ask questions, make requests of your unconscious mind, but don't always expect the answers or solutions to be immediate. The unconscious will either draw from the knowledge it has already, or because of your requests, 
will focus on outside information, i.e. via the RAS, to help you see the answers in some way, shape or form. The alternative to training your brain and controlling your mind is that you continue to try and improve yourself the conventional way, with lots of effort and years of slow learning and little or no progress, continually falling back into old habits like the elastic band that goes back to its original shape when you let go of it. Hi, Reese here, author of Strong Minds Personal Development Programs and this course, Personal Leadership, Taking Control of Your Mind and Your Life Every Day. Module 4, Key Elements of Brain Science for Mind Control. Part 10, Key Takeaways. If you observe your outer world, I mean really observe the world around you, you'll see how some people are going through life like robots, i.e. moving computers in autopilot, lost in thought, unconscious if you like, not really noticing what's going on inside their own brains. They're being driven to distraction, literally, because they're not consciously aware of the two minds and the amygdala effect. The impact of synapses and the connection through the brainstem to the body or how to use the inbuilt RAS to see and hear more opportunities that align to their wants and needs. Consequently, their minds continue to control and direct them, right up until they're too old to do anything about it. If you're honest with yourself, how often do you check your phone for messages, social media posts, emails, etc.? And can you say that you're not in any way addicted to technology or having your attention drawn away from what's most important in your life. I think if attention was money, we'd all be wasting lots of it, basically throwing the money away with our attention and all the distractions. In many instances, technology is controlling us when we should be controlling technology. Our minds are controlling us when we should be controlling our minds. In this respect, some people are asleep. And by that, I mean sleepwalking through life not really awake to what's happening, not alert of what's going on in their own minds, and yet they have a continual nagging feeling that something isn't quite right. And this is their real self, their unconditioned natural self screaming, set me free, I want to come out, I want to be the real me. But you, my friend, are one of the few who will be able to see life in all its real beauty, because you'll be consciously aware of how you manage yourself and the positive impact this has on those closest to you and who you come in contact with that can help you achieve whatever it is that you desire. To wrap up this module, understanding the key workings of the brain and how easily mind hacks can open the mind to new truths has made a massive difference to me and especially when it comes to influencing others in positive, collaborative ways. And it can for you too, but please don't just take my word for it. I don't encourage anyone to follow my views blindly, but rather to prove the word for themselves. So read, consider, really study, and think about what you find within this course. And importantly, apply it, test it, stick with it, and decide on its value for yourself. Deep, deep down inside, you'll know what's true for you. So what's coming up next? In the next module, and with the mind hacks and brain science knowledge as your foundation, We'll begin the process of self-assessments and positive changes.
see you in uh, the next module.